Hello listeners, David Newton here. I hope you're having as much fun listening to the program as I am producing content for it each and every week. Although this is a free podcast for all of our listeners, contributions from supporters really help me to keep this going. To show your support, please visit RoosterTailTalk.com and locate the support tab. Every contribution helps this podcast to continue to bring you more Hydroplane news, interviews, and history. Now, enjoy the show. Tail Talk, a podcast dedicated to everything related to the sport we all love, hydroplane racing. I'm your host, David Newton, and it's time once again, so sit back, relax, and welcome to Tail Talk. Hello, listeners. This is episode 71 of Tail Talk, and I hope everyone out there had a wonderful 4th of July just finished up the 4th of July weekend. It got a little bit cooler over here in the Pacific Northwest. I know it didn't get cooler everywhere, but hopefully, whether it was hot or cold at your place, hopefully you enjoyed the 4th. It had a great weekend. And H1 Unlimited, they just concluded their second race of the season. This actually is the halfway point of the season because it's a four-race year for H1. And the Gold Cup in from Madison, Indiana is in the books. A big congratulations to Miss Madison Racing Organization, Jimmy Shane, Jeff Bernard, Goodman Real Estate, and Miss Home Street Bank, because they are the winners and champions of the 2021 Gold Cup from Madison, Indiana. Hopefully you had a chance to watch the race on H1 live streaming. If you didn't watch it on, on the streaming, hopefully you were there in person. I have to say it was great coverage provided by H1 Unlimited. They really found those tweaks that they needed to do from the first race. The little hiccups that they had weren't present this time. I know they were under enormous amount of pressure because of they had a lot of delays and changes to schedules, but they really put on a tremendous program on YouTube Live. Hopefully you got to watch that. If you didn't get a chance, please check them out on YouTube. Just type in H1 Unlimited, and you'll find their page on YouTube. But it was a great performance they put on. Some great aerial coverage from the drones, once again. Some great shots. And I loved the interviews. They extended the interviews out a little bit more. Had some uh, more personal interviews with the drivers. Some good talk and um, some great banner with the announcers that they used for this race. I just love the package they put together. Wish it could have been on TV, but nonetheless, it was a great package they put on YouTube. And there were some tremendous shots of of the boats running there. But let's break down the action a little bit. Let's talk about the race, because there's a few things I want to talk about from the Gold Cup. I want to start off with um, saying, you know, I'm fortunate fortunate that the race happened. They they really were, you know, kind of in question there for a while if the race was going to happen because of a, a rainstorm that happened upriver, and I know the, the river went up quite a, quite a ways, and there was a lot of debris in the, in the water, and they didn't get any boats on the water Friday. They barely got any on, on Saturday, very late. They had one test session. And they, so they originally planned to have one heat of racing Saturday, two on Sunday in the finals, but they pretty much crammed the whole package into one day on that Sunday. They had a test session early in the morning 
And then they had the three rounds in the final heat before the river closed at 6 p.m. Once again, there was some great heat racing on the water. Unfortunately, there's only six boats there. And I know a lot of fans and people are talking about the low boat counts for the races. And it is very unfortunate. But the quality of racing is there. I mean, pretty much any of the boats on the water at any time are able to win. Really, really close together. The, their speeds and testing were within 10 miles an hour easily. They, they are, are, the parity is there in the sport. Let's talk about the boats, though, that entered the Gold Cup Madison Regatta. On each one limited website, they call it the Madison Gold Cup Regatta. I guess we should call it that from now on. But the Gold Cup just has such a great tone to it. Let's call it, just call it the Gold Cup. Now, for the Gold Cup, there were seven boats that showed up, but only six entered. It was, a, it was a small field. The 440 with Dustin Eccles, the bucket list racing, did not enter the water. I was told there was some damage that they occurred from Gunnersville that they were not able to repair in time. So unfortunately, that did not enter the race. It was not a factor in the race at all. So the six-boat field, it's pretty small, right? There's only six boats. In most recent years, there hasn't been a lot of boats that have made the journey to the East Coast for those races. That is a factor fans are not too happy about. They want to have more boat count. And I would love to have more higher boat count as well. But the one thing I do have to say is that there is parity in the sport. Because the six boats that entered the race, really had, any one of them had a great shot of winning the race. There, there is parity there. There were some great deck-to-deck -deck races throughout the day. There wasn't qualifying, as I said before, but in testing, the lap times, the high lap times, they were within 10 miles an hour of each other. They were pretty close in lap times. So there was some great parity in the sport. So let's talk about the different boats that raced in last weekend's Gold Cup and how it fared for them in the preliminary heats. So going through the list, starting with U1, the Goodman Real Estate presents Miss Home Street Bank. The team elected to have Jimmy Shane run the entire weekend. They talked about earlier having Jeff Bernard run one round of heats, but they decided to keep the one driver in for the entire weekend just to give them the best shot of winning for that final heat. I know seat time is limited and is precious, so I'm sure that was helpful for Jimmy to get those extra laps and that extra preliminary heat in. He did win all of his heats. Uh, some of them he won pretty impressively, and some of them were closer than others, but he had an impressive weekend. The old boat they decided to run this year, they're not, they're not, again, they're not running that newer boat. They're running the boat that was built in 2007. Originally ran as Old Boy Alberto with Steve David. So that boat's been around for about 14 or more years. They'd seen a lot of action, had some crashes, been repaired a lot. It's a little bit heavier but that boat was impressive on the Madison River. I know in an interview after the race, Jimmy Shane said they didn't have the, the best equipment in there. I don't know if that's true or not, but that boat was, was a legitimate contender this, this weekend. He posted a fast, I think one of the fastest laps, about 153 in morning testing on Sunday. And really, Jimmy was on a mission. I mean, on a mission, got the inside lane in every heat, and drove away from the field. The next boat on the list, the U8 Miss Tri-Cities, did not have as great of a weekend. Jim Michael Kelly and the U8 Strong Racing team 
had a pretty rough day, to say the least. They were not able to, to win heat all day. They finished third in the first heat. He went through Rooster Tail, exiting the right turn. Um, he had a little hook there that went and made him go through Tate's Rooster Tail. Was, was only able to finish second in the second round. And only had 525 points going into round three. So he was on the bubble of possibly having to start as a trailer for the final. And in that third round, he had an excellent start and really had the field covered. And on lap two, going through that right turn, he had a big hook and a hop. It leapt the boat up in the air, had it land sideways, and had some pretty bad damage to the boat from that. Um, pictures after the, the wreck, once the boat was lifted out of the water, you see a lot of water coming out of the left-hand side. So damage was sustained to that left-hand side. And it looked like there was some structural damage to the skid fin, the brackets on there. So they've got their work cut out for them to get that ready for the next race. Time is on their side. They have three weeks of four Tri-Cities. But the, there was enough damage that they had to pull the boat from the race because it was not safe to run at that point. I know that's a, that's a, that area is a crucial area for hydroplanes because you want that skidfin area to be strong. It needs that strength in the corners with all the torque going on um, with the skidfin on the hull. So hopefully they have enough time and they can get the support needed to get that, to get that ready for Tri-Cities. Interesting to note that that's the second time for that, that short lifespan of that boat to have that similar structural damage happen because when Jean Theoret flipped that boat a few years back in Detroit, they had some structural damage to the skidfin and it pulled the turnbuckles and they had to actually end the year at that point. They didn't go to San Diego because of all the damage that occurred to the boat there. Jim Kelly, he had from that, that wreck because I think we should call that a wreck uh, from Sunday, because that was a pretty gnarly stuff, and he pretty much stopped hitting a brick wall right there. He hasn't released whether his injuries from that crash yet. There were some reports that he possibly broke his nose and possibly broke or cracked a rib. He was complaining of some rib pain and nose pain afterwards, but um, his wife did go to Facebook and say this morning he's sore, but he's doing better. So hopefully the injuries he sustained from that wreck were minimum. Looking forward to seeing him race in Tri-Cities in a few weeks. In that corner, that's nothing new for, for the Madison race course. That first corner is a gnarly corner. There's been a lot of drivers that have lost their race in that first corner. You can think back to 1979, Steve Reynolds was going for the Gold Cup in the Miss Circus Circus and really had a legitimate chance to win. And he went in that lane one, coming out of the first turn and hit some rough water and over the engines. And he was out of the race. Let Bill Muncy have the win there. Thinking back into the, to the late 80s, early 90s, Tom Eath and the Miss Budweiser, who's racing Chip Hanauer in the Circus Circus. Remember Tom had the inside lane and had a really great corner, but he hit the, hit the exit pin just wrong. And it lifted the boat up and went sideways, pretty similar to Jay Michael's experience. And it took him out of the race in that final heat. I think that was around 1990. And in 90, 1995, Mark Evans, driving the two-wing Miss Budweiser, he had a perfect day going into the final heat. And he thought he had the race won going out of the first turn. But he hooked it and sustained uh, and suffered damage, structural damage to the boat. 
I believe he, he limped across the finish line, but he hit that rough water in the first turn and it pitched him sideways and he was out of the race. But the worst crash in recent memory was about eight or nine years ago with Dave Vilwak when he spun out the Qatar boat in that first turn. And it wasn't too bad of a spin. It just pitched him sideways and stopped on the course. But unfortunately, Steve David in the Roberto was right behind him and went right, drove right over the boat. I know the skiffing went inches from the canopy from Vilwak's head. That was that was a scary, scary crash. Thankfully, both drivers were okay in that, but it did wreck both of their boats. So that first turn is pretty gnarly, and it's really a crapshoot if you're going to go lean one and if you can make it out of there on top or not. Unfortunately, J. Michael did not make it out on top, and that ended his weekend. But again, looking forward to seeing him and Strong Racing in Tri-Cities in a few weeks at the end of the month. The U9 with Corey Peabody, Pinnacle Peak Consulting, it had a, a rough weekend as well. He wasn't able to win heat in, in the prelims either. He finished third in the first round, third in the second, and second place in the third round. In the third round, that was his best race of the day. He was only a boat length from winning. He was barely edged out by Andrew Tate and the Graham Trucking. He finished one boat length back in second place. Probably should have had that thing won, but had to go around a slower boat on the last lap, which was actually his teammate um, from his teammate getting up back on plane from his wreck. So it wasn't the best weekend for Corey going to the final heat. He did have that heat win last week, but his boat was in one piece and survived the day up until the final heat. The 11 had a, a rough day as well. It did finish a strong second place in the first round, had 300 points, was possibly looking at a victory because they weren't sure if Andrew Tate was going to get a penalty or not in that first heat. But the boat did suffer sponsor damage in that first round. The boat was pulled from the second and third round as their team had to grind on the, on the sponson and do some patchwork to cover up some damage sustained from that rough river. But they had the boat put back together and they had it ready for the final heat. So it was good to see that boat run again in the final. I was glad to see five boat field in the final heat. Andrew Tate, he had a perfect weekend going into that final heat. He really had the Graham trucking locked in. He was flying that boat pretty high. There were some great shots of it. I think in the third round, particularly, he, when he was uh, going deck to deck with Corey Peabody, he got that Graham trucking probably a little bit higher than he wanted it to be. But he was able to pull off a heat win in every round until the final heat. Uh, really had that Graham trucking looking great. I'm really excited to see how that team's going to perform in Tri-Cities with some calmer water and some faster water on that Columbia River. The Beacon Plumbing with Dave Vilwak, they had a strong strong day. They looked to be kind of laying their heads down low until the, until the final heat. They finished second in each round. Dave Vilwak, uh, the announcers kind of called it, he, he didn't want the inside lane. He A lot of the heats, he would kind of crawl up a little bit early. <laughs> to secure the outside lane. So it's something you don't see too often, but he didn't want the inside lane. And I don't think a lot of the drivers did this weekend because of that rough first turn, but he was able to secure the outside lane in each heat. And, um, he got the boat looking pretty good. And I, I thought I was, I thought it was a strong contender for that final heat. He pulled, um, I can't remember if it was Saturday evening or Sunday morning, but he pulled a few laps over 150, And I believe the 40, Beacon Plumbing and the U1 Goodman Real Estate presents Miss Home Street Bank 
were the only boats to run laps over 150. So that boat was cooking. He was flying it pretty well. And it laid out to be a pretty exciting final heat. In the front row in the final heat, we had Jimmy Shane and the U1, Corey Peabody with the U9, Tate in the 12, and Vilwak in the 40. The 11 started as a trailer boat. And in going up to the line for the for the start of the final heat, Vilwak again secured the outside lane. That's so weird to say that he secured the outside lane, but he was lane two, and that was right where he wanted to be. Had Jimmy Shane in lane one and Tate in lane three. Peabody was a little bit off the pace on the outside. He was a little bit late to the start. But really, those first three boats had great starts. I would almost say that Vilwak probably had the perfect start in lane two. It was where he wanted to be to get a victory. And going into that first turn, it was a little hair-rising to see what was going to happen, how it was going to lay out. Uh, I was a little concerned with people spinning out in that turn. Everyone made it out, and I thought we were going to see Vilwak go into the lead. But unfortunately, he slid out a little bit too far and was assessed a one-lap penalty, pushed Tate out. Went out a few lanes, but further than he wanted to go, I'm sure. Um, so, he, unfortunately, after the first turn of the final heat, he was out of the race. He got assessed that one lap penalty. And it pushed Tate out quite a ways. And that, that really gave a big opportunity for Jimmy Shane. He was a little, Jimmy Shane was a little bit behind at the start, but he had that, he rolled the dice, went lane one. And fortunately for him, it worked out well because he came out of that first turn with almost first tail lead over everyone. He really got through that first turn clean and was fortunate to come out of that first turn unscathed. That first turn is so gnarly and we saw what happened to, to Jim Michael Kelly, but Jimmy made it through and Tate gave a hell of a performance to try and catch him down. Tate was down and out because he was on the outside. He was back a ways after that first turn. He pushed the boat hard. The boat suffered some damage. The wings broke on the boat. I'm not sure if that was just from the rough river or if he went through any... I don't know if he went through Rooster Wake in the first corner or not. But the wings fell off and broke broke off. So he was running with some damaged equipment and could not catch Jimmy Shane. I'm not sure if, if the wings were in intact, if he would be able to catch him down because Jimmy was just laying down some fast laps this weekend. But regardless, Jimmy Shane won the final heat with this really strong performance. It had a perfect day, 1,600 points. A huge victory for the Madison locally owned team. That was a 50-year reunion to 1971 when Jim McCormick won the race for the home crowd in the Miss Madison Racing. So quite a significant race victory for the team. But this was also Jimmy's fifth Gold Cup victory. With his victory Sunday... Jimmy Sheehan now has 20 victories. That puts him 7th overall in H1 driver victories, just behind Jim Cropfield and Bill Cantrell. Then he also has 5 Gold Cup victories, which ties him for 4th place overall with Garwood at 5 Gold Cup victories. He's only 3 behind the legendary Bill Muncy, less than halfway there from Dave Vilwak and Chip Hanauer, as, they both, as Chip has 11 Gold Cup victories to Vilwak's 10. So a very, very significant day for Jimmy Shane and the Miss Madison organization. Looking at the points race, the victory there for the Miss Madison racing team, 
This puts them in first place in overall points with 2,929 points. In second place, with an almost perfect weekend, near perfect weekend, the only the second place finish in the, in the final heat, Graham Trucking is in second place with 2,425 points. In third place is Strong Racing, U8. Even after that bad weekend, they're still in third place with a total of 2,330 points. Not too far behind, only about 600 points behind first place there. So pretty close race between 1 and 3 for the lead. In fourth place is the U9 Strong Entry. Their total points are 2,075 points. Coming up in fifth place would be the U40 Beacon Plumbing. They have a point total of 1,322 points. Next on the list is the U11 J&Ds Racing. They have 1,294 points. And then the 440 has yet to secure any points for the year as of yet. Because of the Miss Madison's use of two drivers in the first two races, the driver's points looks a little bit different. So right now for driver's points, Andrew Tate is actually leading with about 100 point lead, a little over 100 point lead over G. Michael Kelly. In third place, four driver's points is Corey Peabody. And he's only 400 points behind. So it's a really close race for the driver's points race. Two different points races to look at as we're halfway through the year. We'll see how it finishes out. If Miss Madison will continue to extend their points lead or if other, challenge, other challengers will get up there. Well, that's all I have for Madison. If you didn't get a chance to watch some heats, make sure you look it up on YouTube. You'll love seeing the racing on there and the package that H1 presented on YouTube Live. The next race is going to be in Tri-Cities, Washington at the end of July. It'll actually be on the weekend of July 23rd through the 25th. Tickets are on sale now. Visit waterfollies.com. You can see the different ticket packages that you can purchase on there. So we're less than three weeks away. I'm excited to see H1 racing in person again. It's always a great race over in Tri-Cities. They put on a first-class event over there. I'm hoping that we'll have some more boats on the circuit there. There's talks of maybe one, maybe two, maybe more boats being in the pits there. We'll see. I don't want to spread rumors yet. We'll get some more details found out, and on an upcoming episode, we'll confirm if there'll be more boats in the pits there or not. Well, I hope you've enjoyed our episode. Make sure you come back next week to listen to our next episode. We release new episodes every Tuesday at 5 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button on your podcast player, as well as rate and review your experience. For more updates on Hydro News, check us out on social media. We're on the major players, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Rooster Tail Talk is also online with our website, www.roostertailtalk.com. On the website, you can sign up for an email subscription list to get notifications on upcoming episodes, Hydro News, podcast updates, and much, much more. Finally, this is a free podcast to all of our listeners. And if you're really enjoying your experience and want to help us to continue to grow and expand, please donate. You can find a link to donate through PayPal on our website through the support tab. So until next time, I hope to see you at the races.